you want a better smile gallery? Not sure where to start? Well, this podcast is definitely for you. Welcome to the Dental Revenue Live podcast, where we discuss topics related to dental practices with leaders from the industry. I'm your host, Bill Mulcahy, and in today's episode titled, No Photographer, No Problem, Simple Steps to a Do-It-Yourself Smile Gallery, our guest, Zach Sisler from Shippensburg, PA, will share his secrets about smile galleries. Zach is a client and friend of Dental Revenue. He's been practicing dentistry since 2010, dedicated to continuing education. He is an associate faculty member of the Dawson Academy. We are lucky to have him here today because Zach's Smile Gallery is widely regarded as one of the best do-it-yourself smile galleries in the industry. Nearly every day I speak with dentists about the importance of differentiation. We discuss that if they want patients to see them as different, they have to give them something different to look at. The Smile Gallery is a great place to start. Having resources on your website like a Smile Gallery will help potential patients connect with your practice so they can choose you based on your dentistry rather than the convenience of insurance or location. Although most dentists agree a Smile Gallery is important, I get quite a bit of pushback. I hear it's too expensive to hire a photographer or too hard to take the photos themselves. Months, even years go by before the dentist puts a significant case on their site. The reason I asked Zach to join us today is he has developed a process to build out his smile gallery himself. He has almost 40 cases represented and each one does a great job at highlighting his dentistry and helping him connect with visitors to his website. Please help me welcome Zach as I believe his knowledge can be very helpful to all of you. How you doing today, Zach? Good, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Um, thank you for joining us. It's really a pleasure to have you, and I think you know your knowledge of, about this topic is going to be really, really beneficial. So, um, why don't we start by just you know getting to know you a little bit? Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you got in, started in dentistry? Well, um, a little bit about me. I'm married with three kids. Three kids, five, three, and one. So it's a busy time at our house. Um, I married my wife back before I started dental school. And how I kind of got into dentistry was when we were in undergraduate school, she nannied for a dentist. And after seeing some of the cosmetic and aesthetic dentistry he did, I thought, this is something I could really see myself doing. And I wasn't quite sure what I knew about dentistry at that time, I I didn't know really a whole lot. So I started shadowing him and the more I saw, the more I loved about it. So, um, decided to go to dental school. I graduated dental school back in 2010 and moved out and, uh, to central Pennsylvania to start practicing dentistry as an associate. I was in a pretty heavily, um, saturated PPO environment Mm -hmm. where, Um, I was the third doctor in a group practice, and it was very fast-paced and very um, just busy is the way I would describe it. And I knew after being there for a year or two that it was just not the kind of dentistry I was wanting to practice or what I had envisioned my career to look like. Um, I wasn't getting to do much aesthetics. I wasn't getting to do really a lot of anything I wanted to do. I was kind of um, just more as the employee role. So from that standpoint, that's when I started to branch out and um, look for a practice. I found a small practice in 2013, January 1st, 2013. I took it over and it's in a small little farm town in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, that most people would not um, associate Shippensburg and high-end aesthetic dentistry yeah. together because I live where there's also an Amish and night population where I have people who arrive at my office in a horse and buggy and wow. get out and come in for their treatment. So I think I, I'm really passionate about this photography topic because I've seen how it's been able to help me grow my practice in an area that maybe you wouldn't associate with aesthetic dentistry or complete dentistry. But over the last five to six years, just by building a portfolio, simply of photos, we've been able to expand our business and also get back, getting back to doing the dentistry I always wanted to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I, I find it extremely interesting. You know, the more I, I've uh, I've been in this industry and the more dentists like yourself, I, I've spoken to some of the stories of how they got into it are just so fascinating to me because it always seems to be a person that that they can happen to connect with through another connection that leads them to dentistry. And I think it's really neat. And, and just the the concept of of. And one thing that we'll talk about a lot, a lot during this call, I think, is is the concept of the type of dentistry you would like to do, I think, is a is the primary theme at the heart of this. It's like if you want to just, you know, attract the patients that are in your your networks of, of insurance, you know, that's one thing. But if you really want to do some of the cases that you've been trained to do, some of the cases that are more rewarding, it takes being able to 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 promote that and market that effectively as well. So so that's that's great. Um, so before I before we really get started in, in into the topic, I got one one more question I've been asking our, our guests. Um, why don't you share with our listeners sort of a fun fact about you that that uh, we wouldn't know if if you didn't tell us. <laughs> um so let's think about this uh when i was in when i was in undergraduate school i took a pottery class <laughs> and so pottery pottery has been a little bit of a passion of mine mm -hmm. that i love to do and i and i was actually doing it up until a few years ago um going and throwing clay on a wheel and making vases and cups and bowls uh, all kinds of different pieces and yeah it was kind of like a nice little outlet mm -hmm. from dentistry it was still sort of it was artistic even though i don't consider myself a hugely artistic person but it's something that i love to do and um if I get the chance to kind of do some more of it, I hope to. <laughs> uh, that, that, that is a, a, a fun fact. And one thing I, I, I'd say about that is I can remember like in middle school, art class trying to do, do pottery and it was never like my thing. I liked it, but it was terrible. I, some of the ashtrays and little, you know, cups that they had you make, <laughs> my mom still, still keeps. And I'm like, oh my goodness, look at this thing. So, so, <laughs> so it's definitely, uh, a, a, a cool hobby, but, but it's, it, it's, uh, takes a special hand, I think, which is why I'm not a dentist and you are. <laughs> so, so um, no, that's great. That's great. So, so let's get on to our topic with the smile galleries. I mean, personally, this is something that's really near and dear to my heart because really as a marketer, I believe that the smile gallery is a huge factor in the company and the practices ability to, to or our company's ability to to deliver to the practice um, consistent quality patients. And, and what I mean by that is, is if there is some content, something to connect with the people that we we bring to the website, the quality of patients tend to go up. So the smile gallery in concept exists to give dentists the ability to display their work. It's very hard, right? But it's also a really effective way to communicate key messages to your potential patients by using emotion. So if I look at your smile gallery and I see Courtney, for instance, and 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 I look at at, at her, you know, I see the clinical before and afters, which we'll get in, in into, I'm sure. But I'm also seeing a full headshot and a story, and that becomes a real person. So, so as we start to discuss this, I think it's a, a, a really big concept that we'll continue, continue to expand on. Um, so let's talk about the emotional connection. I mean, you know, we talked about your connection to your smile gallery and, and, and how important it's been to you over the years, especially in the area that you practice in to, to really be able to highlight these cases. But, but you know, what do you feel the patients connect with most about a smile gallery in, in, in general and, and when you go about this whole process? Well, I think when we're talking about aesthetic dentistry or potentially even elective dentistry, most of that is an emotional decision. Um, there, are, there are people who come to us that are needs-based and you know maybe they're wearing their teeth and they need function restored, but when somebody's coming in and they're self-conscious about a smile, or maybe they're a little embarrassed to talk, you know, I've even had a patient come in to me and be 
very raw in her emotions and say, you know, I'm just embarrassed. I would just like to kiss my husband again. And I think when you have those kind of conversations, you realize that this elective or aesthetic dentistry is truly sometimes life-changing for people. Mm -hmm. And in order for them to be able to see, hey, how could how could I experience that, or how who could help me do this? I feel like when you go to our smile gallery or you go to a smile gallery, you want to see a person. You want to see yes, the results, but the bigger, maybe sometimes more important component is you want to hear the story, mm-hmm. because a lot of people who come into our practice and are wanting to discuss different options, we generally bring up a smile gallery and show them somebody like them. We said, here's somebody like you, this same condition, this same worry, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and here's how we were able to help them. Then they get to see, yes, the clinical dentistry that we did, but more importantly, they get to see the patient smiling at the end. And Our big thing that we say in our office is we don't want to see just a patient smile with their lips. We want to see them smile with their eyes. So when you can see somebody light up from simply having a little bit of porcelain added to their teeth or a little bit of composite, to me, that's the game-changing factor. And that's where you're going to grab that patient's attention who's maybe sitting there in their home looking on a website and say, there's something different about this. I want that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that. let's explore that concept for a while because I think it's to the heart of, uh, of this overall emotion, emotional concept. And I really love the idea of uh, the, the patient or your goal of having the patient smile with their eyes. I mean, you know, what are some of the factors beyond insurance, beyond uh, convenience of location? I mean, if, if people are getting into the elective and aesthetic um, aspects of dentistry, I mean, what are what are they going to or what has been your experience of, of how they're choosing you? You know, we've had people who view us as, well, they'll come into the practice and they'll see the name on the website and they'll say smile designed by Sisler. Mm-hmm. And some people write us off because they think, Oh, all we do is aesthetic dentistry. And I think when it comes down to it, we don't do aesthetic dentistry all the time. We still do general dentistry and we're just developing the relationships with people. So when it comes to somebody looking at that, I think we have to start with the relational component you know, when, when somebody's looking for somebody to accept their insurance, they're going to look on the website, they're going to find the name, they're going to go there, it's convenience driven, and they're just looking for a service to get a, to get a project done, you know, to get treatment done. Yeah. But when somebody's seeking out something emotionally, and when something, you know, something that they feel is going to be life-changing for them, they're going to be willing to maybe travel to somebody where they know they're going to get a different result. Yeah. And they're going to look for somebody where they can build that relationship with and feel comfortable with to spend potentially larger amounts of money, but also they're wanting that relationship with somebody before they're willing to open up about their concerns or before they're willing to um, trust somebody to help them fix it. So I feel like when somebody's looking at a smile gallery and they're trying to say, well, how is this going to help me? Or how is this going to be any different than the guy who's next door to me and he's really convenient and he's open till nine o'clock at night on a Saturday? Yeah. You know, it's not a convenience-based thing. And when somebody truly wants something and feels like it's going to better themselves for it, I feel like they're going to be willing to travel. Mm-hmm. They're going to be willing to probably spend more money to do it. Mm-hmm. But you've still got to make sure the experience from when they walk in is relationally or emotionally based, because these are people who are coming to you who um, are probably self-conscious and are a little on guard. So for us to be able to develop 
um, the kind, caring, patient, advocate attitude towards them, it allows them to see something different. You know, it allows them to see um, that, hey, there's, this isn't just a convenience thing. They actually care about me. I, I trust them now to pursue more aesthetic dentistry. I trust them to help me with this problem that has been crippling me for how long? So yeah. to me, I, I love your question about the emotional part because that's something where we really try to focus on in our practice. You know, it's so it, it's it's so interesting that you mentioned that that they want a relationship and and that discussion where that led led you to is ultimately trust, right? And so when we talk about a, a quality website, when we talk about a quality marketing approach, when we talk about separation or differentiation um, with other practice in the in, in practices in the industry. This idea of trust really is a factor because if they're looking for these bigger cases, if they're looking to solve a, a problem or achieve a goal, or maybe they're even just scared of the dentist, right? Um, it, it comes down to whether they trust you more than the other guy. And, and that concept that of relationship being able to feel, or them being able to feel like like they can create a relationship or they will have a relationship that's built on trust is a big factor. And when you put these real patients in front of them, they can start to identify and connect to those patients and say, hey, Courtney, for instance, is it is, you know, reminds me of my niece, you know, and and uh, Lisa reminds me of my sister. You know, so so these become real people and they relate back to them and, and they can build a relationship and they can build trust much, much easier. So that's great. That's great. Great stuff. Um, all right. So, so why don't we why don't we use that as a as a transition in the talking about your smile gallery? I mean, I had mentioned you have almost 40 cases on there. Why don't you tell us from your perspective a little bit about your smile gallery and what you're you're most particularly proud of? So our thing with um, our smiley gallery, and especially being in a small town, is obviously I kind of started with no photos, mm -hmm. just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I came down and took over a practice where the gentleman, he didn't do a lot of aesthetic dentistry, so there weren't really any previous photos for me to show. I had to essentially build the repertoire of what we have. And, you know... The way we started with the Smile Gallery is almost a little different now than how we do it now, mm -hmm. because I was just trying to get people in the door. I was trying to figure this out. And then one little thing that helped kind of helped us grow maybe quicker, mm -hmm. and that's the way I would describe it, is we started finding people in a small town that other people knew. Right. So meaning we had people coming in who needed help with their teeth. We'd help those teeth and we'd help those people. And then they became advocates of the practice. So all we would do is just simply, we started out kind of with a more of a smile gallery in our office mm -hmm. than we did online because we would take the, we would take the photos and I would uh, print them off and I would hang them up in the office. And then we would essentially take that same photo and I would, send it to dental revenue and I would say I want this to be my full face photo and this is my before and my after mm -hmm. and initially when I was doing it I wasn't doing the emotional I wasn't doing the story part yeah that's something that kind of came later so I think my advice to somebody would be don't think you have to have this perfect polished thing you've just got to get going and get started on it you know, it's just getting the pictures so you've got the repertoire to show, and then you can begin adding them on the website. Then you can begin adding a story later, whatever the case may be. But I think sometimes people get overwhelmed and they think about it and they say, oh, there's just too much to do. Well, if you start small and start simple, it's not that hard to do. It's actually can be small and simple and still be effective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you had mentioned a little bit of this in, in, in the answer to your last question, but I want to make sure that, that people really understand this. And because I, I believe the characteristics in your smile gallery are, are really right on to, to, to what dentists should be thinking about when they 
um, put these photos up. So, so why don't you tell us what's included in each sort of um, piece of your, your smile gallery and why you include that. that. Okay. Um, so we always want a full face photo and we want the simple before and after. You know, on some of the Smile Gallery, if you see it on our website, we we have focused here more lately simply on the before and after smile. We don't get into a ton of retracted views or, you know, real up close views because a lot of times that's not what resonates with a patient. To the dentist, we love it because it's it's our way of showing our work and it's it's the details that we like to see. But for the patient who's looking at the smile gallery, they want to see the smile in the full face of the happy smiling patient at the end. But they also just want to see a simple, whether it's a front on smile shot or a lateral smile shot. And, you know, I kind of learned this um, by simply asking my wife. So I would get a I would do a case and I would bring the case home and um, I'd be saying, hey, I'm contemplating on using this one in the office. And she's like, oh, I wouldn't use that. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And I said, this is great. Look at look at how the light reflects off the teeth and all this texture and everything we developed. And it's just beautiful. And she's like, yeah, but to me, the general public, I don't see that. She's yeah. like, I just see a really zoomed in view of some teeth. Yeah. So that kind of was a mind shift or like a paradigm shift for me because I was like, okay, I've been looking at this from the dental aspect, but really I've got to look at it from the consumer aspect or the person I'm trying to connect with. And so by keeping it more of here's a smiling face, here's a pretty before and after of the smile, here's the story, we've simplified it, but also made it probably even more effective than what it was when I was trying to show off all these extra little details <laughs> yeah no no I, it it really hits it hits home to me too because you know in my conversations over the years with dennis the, the couple of things have been the biggest challenge for me to sort of reiterate is you know the importance of the full headshot in the story in, in the story behind the case um you know is extremely important as you said but a lot of times people really are in love with the re re retractable view or, or a lot of times they want to put these specific pictures and it's almost like they, they're so concerned about making sure that the work is perfect and the picture is perfect that it's almost analysis paralysis. They freeze themselves and, and end up not putting anything up that will connect just because they're so particular. Um, you know, it's much more important, I think, at a certain point to, to show the transition, to show the the um uh the patient and make them the star of the 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 site and and then sort of incorporate the dentistry and then the messaging behind that because the more you can make the patient the star the more successful you're going to be so that's great that's great so so i mean here's a question i'm sure everybody is is asking i mentioned earlier in in the podcast that that uh you know a lot of people consider if they have a smile gallery they need to get a photographer how did you decide that you were going to do this to, uh yourself rather than hire a photographer you know i just started um i had a simple camera that i was already using to photograph new patients and stuff like that and i just felt like hiring a professional professional photographer was almost more of an inconvenience to me mm -hmm. um, from the standpoint was yeah it would be expensive then i would have to somehow coordinate for the patient to get there um, and it's almost kind of an inconvenience to my patient you yeah. know, like I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do all this for you. It's going to look great. But at the end, you're going to have to go somewhere to get your picture taken. And then don't worry, you know, I'll cover that. It's not a big deal. But then we'll get the then we'll wait to get those photos back. Then we'll see the proofs. Then from there, we'll get a few printed compared to, hey, you know what? When you come back one month later, just to check things after we've put the case in, why don't you just wear a nice shirt and do your hair and I'm going to take a couple of photos of you. And to them, it just became again, easy. You know, I was, I was removing any areas of resistance like, Oh, 
oh, now I've got to now I've got to go to this other place. I've got to go to this other photographer to get a photo taken. Compared to, oh well, well I'm there and he's checking my teeth. I'm just going to get my photo taken. Easy enough. Yeah. You know. So and and from that standpoint, I started with just simple pictures outside, and it grew to the point where I had people who got excited for the after photo shoot. You know, they got their hair done the day uh -huh. before. They yeah. got a new new blouse. They came in with makeup on and we'd never seen them with makeup. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it kind of got to be this fun thing because it was almost a celebration. Yeah. I mean, they're coming back. We put the case in. We generally schedule them back at about a month out just to let things heal and everything to kind of mature and look better. And so for them, by that point, they're already thinking like, okay, what am I going to wear for my after photo shoot? Yeah. And we have fun with them. And we may, might take a photo outside. We might take something inside, you know, whatever the deal is based on the weather that day. But they got excited. And yeah. so the fact that we were offering this, it almost became um, kind of like a part of the service. Yeah. And even more of a draw. I mean, we've had some people who have never had a professional headshot taken and we're standing there and saying, well, we'll do it right here in the office for you. No sweat. Yeah. And it's not complicated. I mean, most people who are already starting to do some aesthetic dentistry or have a camera in the office can step back and take a picture, you know, of a full face photo. So it's not this complicated process, but our patients, it, to them, it seemed totally different, totally out of the norm. And they were ecstatic about it. And you know, probably talk more about the after shoot than they did the dentistry. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one one of the things as you were explaining that 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 really came to my mind is is you know I've been in I've been at dentist office when we brought in multiple patients to do video and photo shoots and 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 you know there certainly is a place for that. You know, they've gone very very well, and there's there's a lot of dental websites that have great galleries and great video um in a, a sort of a situation like that but there's something to be said about you know sort of the excitement you know the the case is still new you're still in the process of completing everything um and and they it's sort of like that yeah that new phase where you know some of this getting back to the concept of smiling with your eyes that you said earlier um, you, they're, they're smiling with their eyes because everything is brand new. So being able to kind of do this consistently as the cases get complete, you tap into that, that portion of, of the process or the excitement. And I think, you know, that can't be discounted either. No, not at all. And I mean, again, you've got, again, back to the emotional connection. Here's somebody who came in potentially self-conscious and you've helped them maybe get over their fears or get over their anxiety about their insecurities and get over the fear of maybe coming to the dentist. And now they're sitting there willing to let you take a full face photo of them. Yeah. Like, to me, that's pretty life changing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you had mentioned you started out taking the photos outside. Um, you know, how about backgrounds? I see, you know, a couple of different combinations of backgrounds, um, you know, in the advice and process section of, uh, or portion of this call, you know, I think we'll get into some more details, but, you know, in general, can you explain what you've set up in your office and, and, and kind of what has worked best for that? And maybe that'll transition right into my next question, which is going to be, why don't we go through the process that you follow to get these pictures done? Okay. Um, so if I was going, if we we're going to talk about backdrops, the thing I would um, encourage dentists to do is not pick a busy backdrop. You know, there are some people out there who get a backdrop printed with their logo on it, or it's like a busy wallpaper. Um, you want something that's not going to detract from the actual person. Mm -hmm in the photo. So when we went outside, I, I generally found just like a very simple backdrop. If you look at some of the smile gallery photos on our website, it's just against like a green evergreen tree. Mm -hmm. So in the back, the evergreen trees just kind of blurred out because we have them stand away from it. 
and it's not detracting from the person. We've since then moved from outside photos to inside photos and really you have to kind of go with what draws your eye. You know, I think the the two classic standards right now are going to be white and black. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a white background that's very simple or you're going to have a black background that maybe is, in my opinion, a little more edgy or a little bit um, uh, more formal. Yeah. Could be. Mm-hmm. So I like the white. I like the white background the best for my photos just because it tends to make the person themselves pop. Yeah. So we will tell them wear a nice bright color and um, we're going to shoot you against this white backdrop here. And then that way you stand out and you kind of pop out of the page. And that's not normally a, an issue. If you have somebody though, and you're using a black backdrop and let's say they have dark brown hair mm-hmm. or they wear a black blouse that day or a black shirt, they kind of tend to start to blend in. And now you're trying to distinguish like where are, you know, (laughs) what's background and what's person. So to me, white's always pretty safe and pretty easy. And um, I would just discourage the busy backdrop. That's the way I would describe it. Great, great. So, so how about the process? So let's start, let's start from the beginning. Okay. Big, the the cases being done. How do you approach them? You 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 kind of explain that that um, you know the the picture is part of the overall uh, overall sort of experience and process that you've created within the practice. But how do you approach them about this photo? How do you uh, some questions that we'll get is consent probably. Um, you know how do you get their consent? The, how do you get them to want their photo on the uh, on the website, et cetera? So um, we 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 describe to everybody we're like uh, when we start talking about aesthetic dentistry, it starts with a photo and it ends with a photo. So whether um, they're going to let me put them on the smile gallery at the end, I don't know yet. But mm-hmm. I'm going to work my darndest in order to make sure they're a happy, smiling patient at the end, so they will let me do it. Um, so we, for like- us. Zach, let me stop. Let, let, let me stop you there because I think that's a powerful um, point. I want to make sure people pe- people remember that um, because when I'm dealing with with dentists, a lot of times they're like, "Oh, we have to take pictures," or we have to ask them to take pictures. And I think the the concept of starting with a photo and ending with a photo really is is part of your success because then it's no big deal. Um, and I'm assuming you're taking the full headshot on the beginning and after or just on the after? Um, no, we're taking it at the beginning as well. Okay. And so here's the way I would describe it to anybody listening. You want a standardized photo set, meaning whatever photos you want for the after, you want for the befores. So for us and for what we teach at the Dawson Academy, we, we teach a 21 um, a 21 photos, 21 different photo series. So every patient, the before we get all 21 photos and then the afters, we get all 21 photos. They're all the same view. They're all at the same magnification. They're all at the same cropping. This isn't hard, but it saves you so much time and effort because what happens sometimes is if you get out of rhythm and you get kind of disorganized is what I would say. And you, you have a really awesome after photo, but then when you go to look at all your befores and you don't have that same view in the before, you can't really correlate the two. Yeah. So if you keep it standardized and it doesn't have to be 21 photos, maybe you're going to set something for your office. It's I'm going to take these five photos every time on every patient, or I'm going to take these 12 photos every time, every patient. And then that way, Um, we always have something to compare it back to and frame it. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I'll say too, to that effect is take as many befores as you possibly could because you're never going to get another chance to take the befores. You can always take the afters. They're always going to be there. The dentistry is going to be there in the mouth to do it. But But if you don't get the right angulation on that before, and then you've got the great after to go with it, it doesn't look quite right in the smile gallery. So to me, 
before you start prepping teeth, make sure you've got all the photos, look at them on the computer, make sure you have all the views you want. Then it's easy when it comes to the afters because you're just taking the same set of photos and now you find the two best photos that represent the case the best and then you're done. So we still get a full face shot before and we get a full face shot after because sometimes it's the full face shot that is the biggest difference. You know, we've had cases where we've surprised ourselves and the full face shot is actually more telling of the case than the actual before and after smile shots. Because we'll have some people where, you know, they maybe went to a brighter shade and we did some nice veneers for them and we're looking at the before and after and think, oh my goodness, we took 10 to 15 years off life. <laughs> yeah. But we wouldn't have noticed that had we not had the two to compare back and forth side to side. So if you're going to go into developing something, you're going to want consistency. So pick your standardized photos you're going to take. You take them before you start and you take them after you're done. It starts with a photo and it ends with a photo. Keeping in mind that at the end, you know, you might have a patient who's not willing to let you put their full face photo up. Mm -hmm. We have that too. And I'm still respectful of that. Um, and the bummer is that's obviously sometimes some of your most beautiful work, Yeah. but, um, you still have to abide by their requests and their, their responses. But then on the other flip side of that is we have some people who say, you're never going to put me on that website. You're never going to put me up on the wall or anything <laughs> like that in your office. And then by the end, they're so ecstatic. They're the ones looking forward to the photo shoot more than anybody else. Yeah, I can imagine like some of the the real transformations, you know, their initial uh, thoughts about being embarrassed about being on the website or being embarrassed about being on uh, on the wall, um, it goes away because then they get so excited about everything else. And no, that's that that that's great. That's great. So, all right. So so now we're you know we kind of talked about a lot so far. You know, we talked about the overall concepts of the smile gallery and why it's important and why specifically it's important to you for the history and background that that you've had about the the smile gallery and we introduced some 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 really important concepts i think um and now we've sort of talked about the overall process and i think the idea of of you know taking as many before and afters as you possibly can because you never have the opportunity to go back and take those photos i think is tremendous advice um, you know, I think the, the idea of, of everything starts with a photo within the process and ends with a photo, I think is, is, is tremendous advice. And then, you know, having the same standardized process, I think, again, uh, is something that, that would benefit every dentist. But what I'd like to do kind of as a, the next segue and, and to kind of complete this, this, uh, podcast is to just start asking you some questions about that I typically get from dentists. And, and I want to give you the opportunity to give them some advice. So you're not talking to me at this point. You're talking to the numerous people over the years that have asked me these questions. And, and just what advice would you give them if, if you were asked these questions? So the first I'll, I'll come up with is, is consent. Okay, obviously you said some don't... Um, uh, you know, want to con um, to give you their consent to be on the website. Some do, and then there's some on the fence. But how are you approaching them? What's your process of, of approaching them? And what is, have you found works best? So I take the approach, um, if you're relaxed, they're relaxed. So think of it like this. If I'm going to go in and ask somebody for their consent for their photo, I'm going to go in and try to make it seem that it's not a big deal. Meaning like, hey, this is what we typically do. We ask you for the consent and where we would be allowed to use your photo. Um, we'd greatly appreciate it because you've got a stellar case and we really want to showcase that to other people who maybe are in a similar circumstance and they could benefit from seeing your story. Mm -hmm. So we're framing it in a positive light to them that they could be helping somebody else and we're framing it in the sense that this is normal operating procedure in our office, okay? Mm -hmm. Most of the time, people aren't going to resist that. They're going to say, oh, yeah, sure, I'm happy to help. Um, we do have some people, though, who are going to say, I really would prefer you not put my full face up. I don't want people to know I had work done or I don't want um, – I just don't feel comfortable 
with that. I said, that's fine. I said, would you be willing to let us use it in other avenues? And I have had that happen where, um, you know, for some lecturing purposes, I'll, people will say, look, if you're lecturing somewhere else around the country and you want to use my photo, that's fine. I just don't want to be here where everybody knows me in town. Yeah. So if they're willing to consent to that. We do list out. We have a photo consent. Um, it's, it's basically uh, something I found online. I mean, you can find anything online right now. Yeah. I found online and basically tailored it for me and changed it to our practice and different things. So we have them sign that. It basically releases the responsibility for any kind of website usage, social media usage. Uh, for me, when I lecture places, for anything in our office, for any advertisements, for any publications, electronic or print, whatever the case may be. Now, if they've signed that, I feel pretty comfortable going ahead and using it how I see fit. But if I have something that is going to be major um, advertisement or right out in the public, meaning we did um, a billboard last year and we wanted to put some patients on it, even though these patients have signed the consent, I'm still respectful of their rights. Yeah. So I will call them and say, hey, this is something we're contemplating on doing. Are you okay with this? If they tell me no, not a problem. We can find somebody else to take care. We can find somebody else to take that spot. Yeah. If they say, yeah, I'm sure I'm fine with that. Thanks for calling and asking. I think they're, I think they appreciate the common courtesy of at least asking before we do something like that. Um, but if a patient says, you can use my photos um, somewhere else, but just not here in the office, I'll ask them, where do you feel comfortable? And they said, you can put them on your website. I said, that's fine. So we'll make a note on the consent form, okay to use in the website, or we'll make a note on the consent form, patient is fine for us to use them anywhere, just not the full face. So we'll use maybe a simple before and after smile, even if it's on another form of advertisement. Um, so again, I think being respectful, but also framing it in a positive thing that they could be helping somebody else and, and that it's normal operating procedure in your office, people don't tend to question that as much. So yeah. they're, much like, they're much more likely to say, sure, go ahead, no problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, um, tell me this, Zach, um, are you having this conversation with the patient or as or, or is an office manager? How do you approach that? Um, you know, I'm the one taking the photos. I know in a lot of dental offices, maybe the assistants take the photo and that's fine. Um, I think it goes back to, we've developed a relationship with this photo or this patient over the, over the course of treatment. Mm -hmm. So I try to do it again in a non-threatening, um, very relaxed atmosphere. So even while I'm taking them, say, Hey, are you okay with us? If we use this, um, on our website and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it could be just as simple as in passing and doesn't have to be that formal. If they say yes, then my assistants or my office manager will go ahead and get the consent form and let them sign it. Um, I, I don't know that it's it has to be me because I'm not the only one who's developed a relationship with this patient. You know, my assistants, they know everybody in the office by that point. So if they had any questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. But I think an assistant or um, a front desk person who maybe has the form at their desk, I think that's perfectly fine to ask them too. But you, again, it's just the, you're approaching it in a respectful and more, um, hey, you could be helping somebody else out, you know, based on the experience you had. Great. Now you had asked, uh, you, you touched on this earlier and I just want to kind of get um, a little bit more, more specific with it. The scheduling of these photos, um, obviously you were, you had the concept of, of starting with the photo and ending with the photo. So it's the final sort of appointment that they have um, within their case. But is there anything specific with the scheduling that you would recommend? Typically, I do these um, scheduling-wise at the end of the day. Um, we'll fit them in our day if, the, if it's what the patient requests. Um, but typically I just like to have the end of the day. So I'm not running behind. It's not a rushed experience. Again, this is supposed to be like the cherry on top, so to say, yeah. um, for the process. So to me, I don't want this to, I don't want the patient to feel like, 
oh, he's, he's kind of running behind and he's having to rush through this. And I got all ready and I've worn my special shirt today and I got my hair done and all yeah. this stuff. I want them, I want it to be like, Hey, I don't have anybody after this. So if we need to retake this 20 times, let's go for it. Yeah. Um, does it really ever take that? Not typically, you know, this is something that when we scheduled in, um, again, we've put the case in, we've probably waited about a month. They come back. Um, and when we take the final photos, we probably schedule about a half hour. Um, I'll check the bite. I'll make sure everything's good with the veneers. As long as they're good, then we'll go and take some photos. If we take photos, I'll generally load them on the screen or my assistant can load them onto the screen. And I let the patient pick. I said, which one's your favorite? You tell me. And, you know, some of the ones that I would pick are not their favorite. So mm -hmm. they say, oh, I really like that one. I let them kind of be the judge of that. Um, and we'll, we'll narrow it down to get one or two that they really like and that I really like. And uh, we'll say, okay, this is the one we're going to use. Are you at peace with that? I said, yeah. And if they say yes, then we have them sign the consent form. Again, this does not have to be a long process. If my day is over at three o'clock and I schedule this patient at 2.30 to 2.40, I'm still planning on probably being done by about three or shortly after. Um, you know, back to the, choosing the photos, you had mentioned that the, that you narrow them down and let the patient choose. Is that for the full headshot um, only, or are you even letting them choose the the clinicals that they like best? How do you? How do what you I found is, yeah, what I found is patients don't <laughs> they don't tend to care too much about the clinical before yeah. and after. They care about the full face. Mm -hmm. So generally, when we're looking at those. Um, we're always just showing them the full face ones. Okay. They might see the others on the screen and that's fine. But the one thing we will do, and we always try to do at that photo appointment is once they've picked their final and they say, oh, I love that picture. Sure, let me email it to you. Or, hey, how about I put this off and give you a copy? They'd love it. Yeah. But I also always bring up a before clinical shot and show them where they ended up. Yeah. Because to me, it's just that last sign sealed and delivered. Here you go. Because a lot of times these people develop amnesia, what their teeth look like before. Yeah. And they yeah. forget how bad it was. <laughs> and now that's like, wow, I really did come a long ways. Here was my before. Here was my after. And look, now I've even got this nice full face photo that I can show off to friends. Yeah. So I, I think it's just one more way to seal that that um, seal the deal of confidence in a sense. Is there anything in particular that you think about when you choose the clinicals? Um, is there any rhyme or reason or is it just, okay, um, this is a good example of the issues that she, she he or she had going on. And this is a really, and this picture represents, you know, what I'm most proud of with this work. Is there a thought process that goes behind that? Yeah. Um, we, so the way I would describe it is I sometimes generally allow my assistants or sometimes maybe more the front desk team to pick the before and afters, um, because that's again, like the paradigm shift for me. I wanted to show the zoomed in close up photos and they're yeah. like, so what are you trying to show me here? <laughs> so I think you have to have that, that more general public eye approach. So for that, I'm always going to say, look, show the dentistry in the best light, meaning give them the best angle that's going to show the before and after. If you've got one that's a little crooked or you've got one tooth in the smile that didn't turn out just perfect the way you want it, don't show that view. Show the other view that's making it look even better. Now, in doing so, we still want the patient to be able to see the difference and we still want anybody else who would look at the photo to see the difference. But we have to keep in mind that a lot of times the patients don't want to see the lips all back. Mm -hmm. As much as the dentistry looks great like that, sometimes the patients are a little weirded out by it. Yeah. <laughs> so we do it in we do it in very certain instances, but we don't do it a ton just because that's not the way people view teeth in the public. They view teeth as they fit in my smile. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's that's fair to say. Um, 
you had mentioned some of the patients when they come in for their photos, they're doing their hair and makeup, they wear something. You had mentioned also, uh, you know, asking them to wear bright colored clothing that to contrast to the to the white background. Um, do you are there any other special instructions? I mean, how specific are you getting with them for their last uh, photo day? That's that's pretty much it. I mean, our big thing is we just don't want them walking in in like a, a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We say, look, we're going to take a nice full face photo for you. So yeah. why don't you go ahead, put on a nice blouse, um, and then just come in ready for your photo. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to, I don't want to impose on them that they have to be all done up. Mm-hmm. I still want them to be themselves. So if there's somebody who doesn't typically normally wear a lot of makeup, I don't want them to come in and be completely done up. That's not natural for them. Yeah. So I think when you give just the general guidelines, hey, wear a nice blouse, something that'll contrast against this. We're going to take a nice full face shot because as soon as you say we're going to take a full face shot, they're already thinking, oh, I'm going to need to do my hair makeup on or something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those those simple steps, I think and letting the patient decide. I've had some guy, I've had a couple of guys come in and they just have like a hoodie sweatshirt on yeah. and that's fine. That's them. That's what they want. Yeah. And it's relaxed. You know, that's, that's perfectly fine for that photo and that person because that's telling their story, but I don't ever want um, a female patient to come in and not be ready because, you know, they're the first person who will tell me, you're not taking my full face shot today, are you? Because I didn't put all my makeup on and I didn't wear my necklace and I didn't wear my earrings and stuff like that. Yeah. I think just making it known, I'm going to take a full face photo. You do what you want. Okay? Yeah. No, that makes that, that that makes perfect sense. And, and you know, I think that's easy instructions and easy to follow for, you know, the patients and, and any dentist trying to give those um, instructions. So, so as we start to con- conclude this, let's let's get into the technical aspects of it. Um, you know, because partially I want want to give some advice and and some of your opinions on what they should use, but also I want to, you know, create the impression that this isn't, you know, the hardest thing in the world to accomplish either. Um, so stuff so, uh, stuff like the camera. I mean, what are some aspects of a camera you would think are important to? Um, you know, taking quality photos and really coming up with the result they're looking for. You know, if you have a traditional kind of digital SLR camera, even with a ring flash, there's really, I guess I would describe it as two settings or one setting that you really have to change for a full face photo to a clinical photo. Sometimes, I mean, you could pre-program your camera to make it say, this is this setting is my full face. This setting is my clinical. Mm-hmm. So you could make it easier or you could just basically line the camera up knowing that from a technical aspect, if I'm going to take a full face photo and be standing back from the patient five to six feet, I'm going to take my F-stop and turn it to about an F.5, F5.6 to an F of nine. So what we're doing there is we're changing our depth of field so that we're, as we stand back from the patient, we're getting a better, clearer picture of the full face, maybe from the shoulders up. Now, as we come in, though, we need to increase our depth of field and we need to actually take our f-stop to like a 22 or anywhere from 22 to 32. And that'll give us a clear picture from the front tooth clear to the back tooth. Uh, One one often or common error I see in photography is that somebody is, they forget to change that setting. So they start with the full face photo, they, they have their f-stop at nine, they go to take uh, the full face photo, they have the patient maybe sit down in the chair and they're taking their clinical photos and then they put them on the computer and they're like, man, these are all blurry, what's going on? The front teeth are in view, but all the back teeth are blurry. They didn't change the f-stop to a 22 to 32, because if you don't change that, you're not getting the depth of field to see all of the teeth. So I think that one little switch on the camera is probably the most critical when it comes to that. There are other things when it comes to lighting and how you're gonna do that, whether it be inside or out, that 
I don't feel as um, are tricky to deal with because a lot of the digital SLRs will meter light to know how much flash they need to output in response to the ambient light in the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think for for Dennis, if you can preset your camera, by all means, preset the camera, make it simple, make it simple for anybody who's picking up the camera to take the photo. If you're not going to preset the camera, big thing is remember the f-stop, changing that so that you don't have blurry teeth. And the the other thing is if you have issues with lighting, maybe if it's a really, really sunny day, you might not want to go outside and try to take that photo because mm-hmm. there's just going to be too much light and it's going to be washed out. Yeah, no, um, one of the things um, about this, I just want to make sure the listeners know is is Zach is getting a little technical here and it's great. Uh, it's great advice. And what we're going to do on the slides as, as you're listening to this, we'll provide this information. So don't feel like you have to sit there with a, a, a pen and, and, and remember all of this. We'll make sure that, that we make this information available as, for it, as well as some links to explain a little bit of the technical aspects of it, because I think it's very important that the settings of the camera are correct based on the picture you're taking. Now, what about you talked you touched on the lighting um, specifically with the white background um, one of the things that we see a lot uh, especially when people use a white background is that shadow right behind the head where it's sort of that halo effect what are you doing with the white background to make sure that the lighting is is right is it just the, the settings in the camera or is it or is it something you're doing to, to make sure that that the shadows don't occur? So if you don't want the shadow to occur, you're going to need light behind the patient or you're going to need a different light source. So on these white backgrounds that you see in my photos, we do have a full dedicated photo studio in my office to take those white background photos. Mm -hmm. Um, And we use studio soft boxes and we're shooting in manual mode. So it's a little bit more advanced from that standpoint. If you're standing there with a traditional ring flash and you're just trying to take a photo, you're going to end up with the shadow. Mm-hmm. The only way to get away from that shadow is to potentially go outside and have, you know, like the green background or something that's not going to, something that's going to allow the light to diffuse behind the patient in a sense. Um, so from that standpoint, if you're wanting a white background or if you're wanting something like that, you're going to need to branch out and potentially look at other sources of flash. You're not going to be able to achieve that with just a simple ring flash. You're going to have to dive into maybe some soft boxes or maybe some sort of uh, professional studio equipment. Now, a lot now, of don't this, let that a lot ahead. of this they can get just via Amazon or online, right? Just just kind of look it up yep. and, and go through that. You could go you could go on Amazon and find a lot of that stuff and and uh, get it taken care of for inexpensive. Uh, one thing that I recommend to Dennis, and I'm not trying to like plug a product, yeah. but if they do photomed.net, um, photomed is a company that, that deals with dentists and medical doctors for photography. So they can kind of get you a setup for studio lighting, or they could get you a setup for a ring flash or a cam of your, of your choosing that will help you pre- preload the settings and they'll help you with anything you need. So for somebody who maybe doesn't feel comfortable with all the settings of a camera and all the different, um, all the different buttons and how to use it, I think Photomed offers a great product because they can give you the camera, but then you their expertise. So they have an issue. If the dentist is struggling with a photo and they're not really sure what's going on with the camera, they can call Photomed and Photomed will walk them through it. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, I tell people, I said, look, I am a dentist. I am not a professional photographer or anything of that nature. Um, there are times when I still call Photomed and I say, hey, guys, I'm struggling with this. Do you have any recommendations? These are trained professionals who deal with it all the time, who can troubleshoot it much quicker than I could, even if it was just Google or YouTube. So I feel like there's an element of you might pay slightly more to deal with them or to buy your camera from them but you're getting their service, which to somebody who views this as a very complicated thing is probably worth its weight gold. 
So I would encourage them maybe to seek that out as well. But if you if you're a goater and you're ready to just try it and get going on it, you know, you could find a lot of this equipment probably on Amazon and um, do it for less cost. But you're just going to need to troubleshoot it on your own in order to be able to get the photos you're looking for. That's great stuff. I'm really glad to ask that question. Actually, it it, it uh, really opens a lot of doors and a lot of different di- different angles. And I think, you know, I want to sort of tie this back and 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 uh, you know just kind of make sure people understand the options. So if if lighting's going to be an issue, you recommend them to go outside. Um, if they're going to go inside, there's two, two options, but both options really require getting some additional equipment that will help with the lighting and the overall presentation. One is they could go buy it online through Amazon relatively cheaply, sort of do the research of setting it up and, and, and really having that ability or use another third-party photo company that will sort of prefab a lot of what they need from equipment and camera. You recommend uh, photomed.net because they're dental-focused. But I think those are key points. There's some options available for dentists, and maybe they start out going outside just to get in the rhythm of doing this, and then they decide which way they want to go after that as they branch out. Yeah, and I think the thing with going outside is always keeping in mind if it's really sunny, probably not a good idea. But sometimes, and maybe I should have said this earlier, when you get that, um, when you're not wanting that shadow behind the patient uh, with a full face photo and maybe just a traditional camera with a ring flash inside, you want to get them away from a wall. Mm-hmm. You know, the wall is what's creating the shadow. So even if you shot their picture and it was down a long hallway, yeah. or something of that nature, you're not going to notice that shadow as much. So, but going outside at least provides you some color sometimes, and most people like that. Now, this white background, is it essentially a screen behind them, or, or you know, is it, uh, or, or are you taking the, the photo with the proper lighting and sort of adding that component? No, really, that is just a pure white wall. It okay. is a solid wall that we just painted white, okay. and we just have uh, photo soft boxes behind it. I have other backdrops that I could hang up if if need be, um, but we shoot on white predominantly just because, like, when you look at our smile gallery, it just makes the person pop a little yeah. bit more, and I like the the vibrancy of that. And it's a real classic look. It's it, you know, it's it, it it just really has an element of of sort of that that high end um, feel to it. So I, I I really love it. I would also recommend the white background it, if you can make it work without the shadows. The worst thing I think is when people try to go with the white background and all of a sudden there are shadows behind and people are like trying to um, sift through it. So no, I think that's that that's great advice. Um, all right, so so I guess as we wrap this up, um, let's tie this together. You know, we've we, we've we've talked about a lot. You know, conceptually, we've talked about uh, about what you do to go about your your uh, smile gallery. You t- gave people advice, um, some general advice about the patients, some some advice about uh, specific equipment. Um, but you know, as a takeaway. Uh, what would you say to the dentist um, that's thinking about doing this, that's listening, that maybe hasn't done this in the past? You know, where do they start? What are they? What what should they be thinking? And and you know, what can help motivate them to do this uh, consistently from now on? So my advice would be: aesthetic dentistry starts with a photo and it ends with a photo. So. If you're not taking photos, and this is something you're wanting to do more of, you need a repertoire or a portfolio to be able to show patients and make that emotional connection. Mm -hmm. People want to see other cases you have done. One, to prove that you can do it and you can pull off what they're hoping you can pull off. But two, so that you can show them somebody like them so they can develop that relationship and say, all right, He's done this before. He's seen it before. 
he can handle this or she can handle this, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, again, I'm going to say you just got to start somewhere. You know, you just got to get a camera and get going. You don't need a full studio setup to get going. You just need a camera and a willing attitude to try it. And it's not going to be perfect the first couple of times you try it. And they're going to be blurry and you're going to have an angle that you didn't like. But you make the most of it and you get better by refining your craft. To me, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes you better. Mm-hmm. And the better we get at taking photos and showcasing this, the more dentistry that's going to walk in our doors from being from them seeing it and understanding that we're serious. So, again, get started and get going and you got to start somewhere. That's great. That's great. Well, guys, this concludes this episode of Dental Revenue Live. Um, thanks so much, Zach, for joining us today. You know, I, I personally am very passionate about connecting dentists to great patients. And, you know, the smile gallery is a huge part of that. And so hopefully listen, the listeners were able to kind of pick up on how passionate I am about this, how passionate you are about this, how doable the experience this is, and, and, and really come away with this uh, can-do uh, can attitude. So um, thank you so much again, Zach, for, for joining us. I, I think you did a great job, and it was extremely valuable. Hey, thanks again for having me. Again, this is something I'm passionate about and love to talk about. So uh, again, anytime. Oh, awesome, awesome. So thanks so much. All right, so so our uh, our next episode, which will be released in May, this one will come out sometime uh, very soon next week, um, will be a great follow-up to our discussion today. Uh, Dr. Doyle Frino, who's a dentist in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, will be discussing the importance of patient testimonial videos. So again, to this this concept of emotion, this concept of um, differentiation, testimonial videos are another great way to, to get real stories in front of your potential patients. Um, you know, really his, uh, some of his videos are, are truly inspiring. Um, and they really have been a key part of his success on the web. Um, I think one of the things Doyle will share with us is that he hasn't always been successful on the web. But when he started to include some of these resources, when he started to include some of these stories, when he made the patients the star of the site, he started to really have some success. So that's great. Um, So everybody, thank you again for joining us today. I hope this podcast inspired you to focus on your smile gallery. Um, If you have any questions about what to do, please feel free to reach out to me at Dental Revenue um, at any time. Uh, I can also connect you with, with Zach. Uh, he, I'm, I'm sure he'd be willing to give you advice or, or answer any specific questions. Um, and as always, we wish you the best of success with your practice and may this year be your best year. Thanks so much, guys.